Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also find me on social media at NoClutchNate. And I'm Scott Corelli from DuelingGenre.com, Spider-Man Minute, and The Cornetto Minute. All righty. Welcome back, Scott. Good to have you on board again. Always a pleasure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, today we're talking about minute number 71 of Donna Justice, but before we get into the minute, uh, Scott, can you tell us uh, your thoughts and opinions about Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, uh, Ultimate Edition, colon, or film, theatrical edition, or colon. both? <laughs> uh. um, well, I, I saw this, I went in to this with uh, high hopes, I, you know, if you guys remember when I was on Man of Steel, I don't... I don't feel too strongly about that movie. Uh, and it's, and it's just because it's not, I, I don't, there, there's, there's, you know, there's aspects of Man of Steel that I think are like cool ideas and everything, but it's sort of like not what I'm interested in when I think of Superman. So that's my issues with that movie. Not so much that I think it's necessarily bad, just that it doesn't really work mm-hmm. for me. Um, and, but then when the uh, Donna Justice uh, like trailer started hitting, it felt like, it, they were done making apologies for making superhero movies. Like it felt like all of the trailers really felt like they were making like a DC comics movie that I wanted to see. Uh, and so I was kind I was really excited to see it. Uh, and then I saw it and I, I, I think that what, what Donna justice is um, in a lot of ways is sort of a transition. I think when you look at, you know, what we've seen of Justice League so far, um, which I think by the time this airs, that movie is probably out mm-hmm. by now. Uh, but but uh, what we see of Justice League, it looks like Justice League is like full bore, like a complete like DC Comics movie. Um, and Man of Steel still feels like it's sort of in the Nolan school. I mean, Nolan was like a producer mm-hmm. on it. And this movie feels like a transition from the more like realistic grounded take and then over the course of the movie, it turns into like a regular DC comics movie. So I think it's, it's an interesting transitional piece uh, as, as a, as a film. It's sort of, I I guess it's like trying to explain how we go from being a normal world to a world where these guys exist. Uh, And I think that that's an interesting take. It's not, I, I'm, I'm, I am always been the person who, uh, doesn't think these movies need to make apologies for what they are. And, but I, I don't think that that's um, Zack Snyder. I think that's probably Warner Brothers being like, those Dark Knight movies worked out really well for us. So if you could, you know, ease everybody into this comic book thing, uh, we would appreciate it. And I, and I feel like that's what's sort of going on with these. Um, and unfortunately, I think that a lot of people don't have the patience for that. Uh, and, just, you know, this isn't what I wanted, so it's bad, um, seems to be the general criticism of, uh, of this film, and I don't agree with it. And I, I think that this wor- film worked really well uh, when I saw it in theaters. I saw it twice, um, and I liked that version, and I, I kind of could see what they were doing. My only criticism was that uh, there's not really any Superman Clark Kent in it. Like, I think... Didn't somebody count how many lines of dialogue he has, and it's like in the single yeah. digits or like in the teens? Like it's it's like nothing. Uh, and then when I heard you guys were doing the ultimate edition for this, I was like, well, I guess I should finally watch that. And uh, so I took an afternoon and watched this, and I was I was like legitimately blown away by how cohesive this version of the movie mm-hmm. is, and. I think if anyone sees this and still calls it a bad movie, they're, I, I think you can pretty much dismiss them as, uh, as a legitimate critic. Because at that point, it's like, no, you're, you just, you're not getting what you want. So because it's not what you want, you're going to give it a bad review. And that's not legitimate criticism. But I could go on a whole tirade about legitimate criticism and what actually warrants uh, criticism and what doesn't. But... I yeah, I like this movie. Um I don't love it because again, it's kind of like not really 
the tone that I would want from a DC movie. Um, I know it's exactly the kind of tone that you guys love, uh, but I'm I'm much more in the hopeful, optimistic camp. But I can appreciate this as sort of like a, I don't know, almost like an Elseworlds in- interpretation. Uh, like, I don't know how you could not like this, but then be okay with like the Injustice games. Because, I mean, yeah. kind of like living in a similar vibe to me. And I, I totally accept the Injustice games as uh, as what they are, which is just, you know, like a like a Elseworlds thing. Like, oh, what if it was mm-hmm. like this? And that's that's kind of how I view this. And um, I don't know. It stresses me out less. Uh, everyone's so stressed out about this about this movie, and I don't know why. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, no, it's it's fine. Like I, I really like it. The my my the biggest thing that I don't like is the uh, religious uh, allegories. Um, I, I, I don't think they go anywhere. I don't think that they're, I don't really find them meaningful or interesting. I think they're very, um, they're very basic. It's really just, it just feels like, uh, Snyder and, um, Terrio are just sort of like pointing at the characters and being like, see, same these. <laughs> And that's it. Like, that's not that's not a I don't know. Like, I just don't think that that it doesn't add anything to the movie. And it really does bother me a lot that they are trying to compare Superman to Jesus when Superman is Moses and he's created by Jewish creators who created him as a Moses allegory. And then Zack Snyder comes in and is like, "Mm, actually, Jesus. And that really that that really gets under my skin. Um, But. Uh, other than that, <laughs> other than the religious stuff, if I can take that out of the equation, I actually do really like this movie. Um, and it's, uh, the way that it's sort of treating these characters. Um, I have other like minor criticisms that I'll be able to get to, uh, throughout the week, but yeah, I, I, I really, you know, I, if I've got three hours and, and I'm in a particular mood, like I can totally sit down and watch this. Like it's, it's, uh, it's solid, you know, I like yeah, it. We do know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys think it's a masterpiece. I uh, wouldn't go that far, but it's I, true. <laughs> but I, yeah, but but I do think it's I think it's good, and I think it's it's fine, and it's a valid interpretation of these characters. I think it's great. Uh, I don't know if uh, did I ever say it was a masterpiece? I don't know. I did. I'll yeah, say, I'll bring that to my great. Write that on my headstone. I know some people think it's like <laughs> the best film ever, or like at least yeah, superhero film ever. And I don't know if I can I can say that. I might say, you know, I definitely think Man of Steel, I think I like Man of Steel, I can't, I don't know if it's okay to say that. I don't know if I like Man of Steel more than this film, but I'm, I'm leaning you towards really that. really like Man of Steel. I really do like yeah. Man of Steel a lot. Um, and I remember, did you, didn't you say last time we when we covered Man of Steel that you're still waiting for, like, like, I feel like, didn't you say something like, there hasn't been a Superman film yet that, like, checks off with you, Scott? Yes, like you're right. still waiting. Yeah, to be no, I. Right. Well, I'm just. I'm still waiting for the version of Superman that I want. I mean, my 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 Superman is, uh, you know, some sort of combination of I, I would assume like Christopher Reeve and Tim Daly. Like, mm-hmm. if I can combine those two into like a single interpretation, that's sort of my my Superman. And I have yet to see that ever um, on screen anywhere. And. Uh, uh, yeah, so I'm still waiting, and but I'll be honest. Um, Henry Cavill's capable of getting there. Uh, I it just I'll be interested to see if they ever come around to making a Superman sequel. What that looks like, because I think that there's, I mean, there's definitely aspects of Henry Cavill in this movie, especially in the Ultimate Edition, where I I start to get those feelings. My my issue. Um, with him is is mostly his Superman, but that's not his fault. Um, that's the story that they're telling mm-hmm. and Zack Snyder's uh, interest in um, I don't know making making Superman a badass, you know, <laughs> uh, which which I'm just not. I'm just that's I don't like that. Uh, I'm not into that. But again, different strokes, different folks. It's fine. Um, I can I can accept all things. It's not a big deal. Oh, I'm, I'm I'll put money down. Like the next Superman movie, like the sequel, like someone's sitting in a boardroom meeting and they're gonna be like, "Yo, we need to make Superman look OP as all hell," and like, yeah, it's gonna go all out. <laughs> yeah, 
All right. You want to get into it? Mm. Yeah, let's get into it. Uh, today, like we said, we're talking about minute number 71 of Dawn of Justice. And it starts with uh, Batman's Oracle Network completing its decryption of Lex Luthor's data. And then the minute ends with a Batman, quote unquote, discovering that the white Portuguese is a ship and not a man. And uh, I, I put discovering in quotes because I'm not really sure what he's finding out is news to him or not. Mm-hmm. And... Or just confirming, like, duh, like, got it, solid. <laughs> it's like, okay, now I feel like I can talk to Alfred about it, something yeah, like that. Yeah, like, were they just, like, assumptions? All right. Are we gonna, just going to ask these questions right off the, get, uh, right out the gates? Let's save that for tomorrow, because that's when we really get into it. Okay. Um, but really, one of the, I guess, big things that I noticed in this film, for the first time, I guess, is... And I, I think I've always had it in the back of my head, but now that I'm doing it minute by minute, I see the parallel now of this minute where it's Batman discovering, oh, dude. doing research, and then Clark is doing research at the same time. It's not even the research. They're both being fed. Yeah, what exactly. Is, I wrote the that. thread that, like, I mean, all right, so, like, <laughs> go, uh, go for that it. was just one of my bullet points way further down the point, but I'm going to jump there. So, like, when the computer opens up, it shows like right that that sequence that you just described both mm-hmm. the two characters because I was watching this and I never really paid attention to that part in movie. It's you know until we do this minute by minute, duh. So I didn't realize that like this is when they're both discovering like this is when they're getting their answers to what Lex's plan is and it's his name is slapped boom right there on the screen right in front of your face like this is like it, it couldn't be more on the nose like Lex big old Lex Corp symbol right there mm-hmm. and then he goes into like getting the whole white portuguese stuff and then you know clearly we know that's i guess we could assume what clark's reading is from lex as well so it's like they're both just being fed this thread that they've been chasing and it's wrong <laughs> yeah i i will say i i i find it um i don't know a little uh questionable the so so okay so he's he's feeding Bruce the the white Portuguese thing because he wants him to get the kryptonite um, so that they can have a fight uh, <laughs> and I and I I get that but the um, the thing with sending the photos to Clark mm-hmm. how is okay one of my one of my biggest criticisms with this world is like I don't know how Clark Kent got this job uh, I don't. I, I don't know. I mean, I know. I mean, obviously, like, Lois must have, like, you know, helped him or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I he's not a journalist. Uh, at least nothing in Man of Steel tells us that he's a journalist. So I don't know how he got this job. Uh, even if he does have this job, he's no one important uh, because, I mean, who who's Clark Kent? Like, he's the nobody in this universe. So why would Clark not be instantly suspicious that someone is sending Clark Kent these photos. Has Clark done, uh, has Clark written a piece about Batman yet? Or because I, I, my understanding so far is that Perry hasn't let him write a piece or it certainly hasn't let him publish one. So who knows that Clark is chasing after information about the Batman? Like, how is he not instantly suspicious that someone knows who he is? Yeah, because this doesn't this doesn't track at all to me. Yeah, um, I think this is this is the sloppiest part of Lex's plan because he's he is assuming that Clark is too much of a dumb dumb to figure out that someone th- knows that he's Superman, um, and unfortunately the the movie uh, al- allows for that um, because he doesn't figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just. Is like, oh, wow, somebody must really love Clark Kent's writing on, like, page six of this newspaper. Uh, it just it doesn't – it just doesn't work for me. I don't know. Like, this doesn't – this whole moment doesn't really work for me because of uh, what it's – it's assuming too much about Clark. Yeah. Maybe you could chalk it up to the whole blind aspect that we've been talking about. So maybe it should have been sent to the Daily Planet as a whole – and he should yeah. he should have found it instead of being sent directly to him. Yeah, I think that would have worked better, definitely. 
Um, because be, be, it being sent directly to his desk is a little absurd. Cause, yeah, because that means like, oh, they didn't send this to me because I'm Clark Kent. They sent this to me because I'm Superman. Right, right. He's like, oh no, someone knows I'm Superman. Like, th- he should be having all kinds of issues with what's going on right now. Um, like, he should be worried that someone knows his identity. He should be like, like worried about the Batman. Like, I mean, he should just be a stress sandwich right now. This guy, uh, but he seems really just focused on Batman and not even worrying about who sent him these photos. And that's a little weird. So what I think is going on is that again with. Clark not being able to see anything because he, like we're going back to the whole blind. Yeah, it was no, that's Daredevil with the acid in his eye. Oh yeah, yeah. he's the blind he's superhero. He's the blind guy. <laughs> um, no, but the, the they're both blind, not just Clark, but uh, Batman. Oh, for sure, because they're what they're getting isn't real information. What they're getting is what they want to exactly. know. Like they're being given like. Like the whole white Portuguese is like, oh, this is the information that you wanted. Mm-hmm. It's not the information. It's not just information to find out the the Lex Luthor plan or you know this that or the other. Like, I'm giving Clark Kent the photographs to the problem that he thinks he has, mm-hmm. and I'm giving the white Portuguese information to the to this guy for his problem that he thinks he has. But it's like, it's not the real problem. But I'm feeding you that, and then when they get it, they don't care. They just care that they got it is how I feel like. Yeah. And of course, like, yeah, it's a problem, but like, that's their problem. And, um, I think this is, this is one of those minutes that I would argue that the ultimate edition is better than the theatrical edition. I know a lot of people, some people prefer the theatrical cut because they, they like the, uh, the mysteriousness of it. Like, Oh, it keeps things mysterious. Um, what? but, it's a thing people say. Keeps yeah, because so let's look at this. Uh, this minute for Clark Kent is the first time in a while that we've seen anything about Caesar Santos um, yeah. since you know he got branded in what was it like minute twenty or something, mm-hmm. and um, we we don't know how he died, but in the ultimate cut we do. And we know that it was Lex Luthor and KGBs that had a hand in like him dying, so that they could frame Batman for killing Caesar Santos. And like some people prefer that that wasn't shown, so that you could have this mysteriousness, or like you don't really know if Batman killed that guy or not, or you know. But it's like mm. you can't do that to the audience. Like I feel like <laughs> you have to pretend like they don't know any better, and you have to like I think the hand holding of the Ultimate Edition helps us understand the point of all this you know does that make sense yeah i mean i would argue that there isn't even that much hand holding it's just like better explained i guess mm-hmm. well it's it's uh i don't know that's silly like the ba- <laughs> batman's batman's not a batman's not a yeah, he's not the punisher he's yeah. batman um and and we we as the audience the 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 fun of this is that these two characters are diametrically opposed philosophically. And we know that if they would just settle down and talk to each other over coffee or something, they could be like, oh, oh, okay, so I see what's going on, and I I understand your perspective, and you understand mine, and we also understand that we're being manipulated we as the audience are supposed to know that. We're not supposed to like not know what side either of these guys fall on. They're Batman and Superman. They're good guys. Like mm-hmm. that's that's the whole point. Um and so to keep that the idea of keeping that mysterious is ah, that's goofy. I why why would you want that? I don't know. But I anyway. I I no, I I agree with you, Scott. Like that's just like you don't need to. The only argument I guess you could have to that is that saying that in the beginning of the movie, I guess, and even in Man of Steel, I guess we're explained that these characters aren't the normal uh, classic, what, the classic that we're thinking of. So, like, you know, I guess right off the front of the beginning of the Batman introduction, like we kind of learn that he is kind of a bad guy. So. uh I don't know. Maybe there was like, like the bigger plan was supposed to be like the end game, 
and it was supposed to be like, hey, this movie's going to have these two really iconic characters, but they're going to be not what you're used to, and they're going to be really messed up, but don't worry, in 10 years, they're going to be best friends. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I think that's kind of, I mean, generally, that seems to be what the arc of these three movies is trying to sort of, I don't know, head toward, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, but but I but I, I I just think I don't know I, we we as the I, I don't I don't like movies that um, feel like clinical and what you're describing is sort of like a clinical look at a movie where we're not we're we're looking at these characters as characters and we're not getting emotionally involved in them where we're like we don't know if we can trust them or not and like I don't I don't like that like if I'm watching a movie like I want to watch it because I'm watching a Batman and Superman movie not because like I want to wonder who these guys are the whole movie um I want to I want to know and like whether whether you know whatever that interpretation is like I want to know where they stand I mean the thing that I love about Superman's arc in this movie is that yeah he isn't the guy that we know yet and he's making tons of mistakes. And I, I like that because you don't you're not going to come into a role like that knowing what you're doing. Like he's trusting his gut, which is good, but he's also not taking other people into um, consideration when he's making these decisions. He's just making uh, a moral decision and saying this needs to stop. So I'm going to stop it. And he's not taking into consideration like you know, nation, national politics and things like that. Um, and that's all stuff that's going to come over time and practice of him doing this. Mm-hmm. And so I like that he's making these kinds of mistakes and it's, and it's really just about like his arc in this movie is just about a guy who wants to do the right thing. And that's all he's ever wanted to do is do the right thing. And every time that he does, he screws up so badly that it creates like some sort of international incident like every time um you know he did it in man of steel like he's he saved everybody from uh, a a kryptonian invasion but he also like really messed up metropolis and now you know we the movie starts with with that uh the 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 crime lord guy or whatever the african crime lord guy um, Amazog. it's okay yeah yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm never gonna remember that. No one's name. ever gonna remember that name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I, like he he you know he started an incident because of that as well. And I mean you know obviously that was a little manipulated, um, but I I just I like that he's making these kinds of mistakes. He's he's trying to to draw a hard moral line, but he's making mistakes because he's not listening to other people and this is just a movie about this guy wanting to do the right thing and wanting to do the right thing in a way that doesn't hurt anybody uh and in the end he does and i love that about this movie and i love that about his arc i wish that there was more of him even in the ultimate edition but i i do like that about his arc and i like knowing that about him. And so the idea of a version of this movie where we don't know what side he's on, just, I I think it completely ruins his arc and ruins the movie. I think, uh, I think that is, I think where these characters are is, is kind of necessary for this story because Mm -hmm. if it was traditional Batman and Superman, and like you said, if they did just meet, um, like as Batman and Superman and like settle their differences with words like like traditional Batman and Superman might because they'd be like, hey, we're actually on the same page here because we know better. Because they're smart. It's like this movie would be over in like 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, all right. But then you have this character, Lex Luthor, who is so uh, ahead of the game that he becomes the wedge that continues to divide these characters. And in a minute like this, like this is it. This is where it's like, all right. They met at that party and now have to really set in stone the fact that these people are on completely different paths and they're nothing like each other. And, like, as long as I can keep doing this, like, by the time they do meet, there is no time for them to settle their differences. Mm-hmm. At this time, it's, like, either one character has to, like, challenge the other one and and win in some sort of way, mm-hmm. I think. So I think it's great where they are now for this film. And I think... yeah. I think 
But that, I think we need to know where they are. Like we, we as an audience, like we need to be involved in them because we need the like like I said, the fun of this is that we understand these two characters. We understand where they're coming from. And we know that if they would just sit down and talk, they would understand each other as well. But they're not going to. And that's like that's the fun part, I think, is that we know where each of these guys are coming from and we know why they're they're opposed to each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and if we don't know that, then it's just, it's just, we're just watching like two characters. I, like, it's like, if you ever watched like a kid play with toys and you're just like, like action figures or something, and they've created a whole story, but you're watching them play it and you don't understand the motivation of what anybody in it is doing. It just looks like they're banging toys together, you yeah. know? And that's what I feel like. If you don't understand these characters, then you're just banging toys together. And that's not interesting to me. Don't forget to check out Scott Corelli's book on how to play with action figures. Uh, (laughs) Rule one, create the story. (laughs) He's not wrong, man. I had a pretty vivid imagination as a kid, even now. And uh, I mean, like, I remember thinking, like, there's one point, and I don't know what this to say about me, but I remember thinking, like, I was, like, doing something. And I feel like I was, like, acting out something in like a public place or whatever but i was using mm-hmm. like imagination then i really it hit me i was like wait people are probably looking at me like what the hell's going on with this kid and uh it's like how do you you can't understand like what's it, it, happening as like they're building their story and that's i think that's the beauty of it imagine having a kid and being like hey billy why aren't you playing with your toys and it's like the motivation hasn't hit me yet dad i'm still trying <laughs> to think of why these characters are fighting it's yeah um uh, you can't, you got you can't, you don't have the the fleshed out story yet. Yeah, otherwise why play with the toys? Yeah. Why even buy them? <laughs> you want this scuba Ooh. Batman? What's he going to do? What's That's <laughs> hey, I've been in that position before. Yeah. Oh sure. Yeah. Yeah, you you right. Like I mean like I guess I could bring him in the bathtub, but how often do I take <laughs> baths? That is a good that is a good argument right yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, we moved out of the <laughs> house of the pool, so it's like I don't have it. Well, I'm not going to play with him in the sink. <laughs> You got me, man. Uh. <laughs> See, motivation's important. You got to have it. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So, um, but is the meeting between them at Lexus party, is that enough to define? I mean, this this week that we're going to be talking about, um, it kind of has the, well, not so much. It's a little more abstract with Clark, but, you know, doing it minute by minute, I see it. But with Bruce, when he talks to Alfred in tomorrow's minute, We'll get there, but that seems to solidify his stance on the oh, issue. Yeah. Yes. Um, and you're saying... But I'm asking size. Scott, is that enough? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's just that I don't think there should be any mystery. Um, because the problem with the theatrical cut, right, is that you don't know... Like, everyone left that movie sort of – well, not everyone, um, but people. a lot of people, especially the people critical of the movie, mm-hmm. left that movie believing that Batman was branding people so they would die in prison, so they would be murdered in prison or whatever. Like, that's what people literally believe was going on. And not that there was, like, a, a Lex Luthor conspiracy happening um, or Alexander Luthor or whatever you want to call him. Um, so like, that's a problem, right? Like, I mean that, like that, that's a problem because that's literally not the movie that Mm -hmm. they, that, that Snyder and Terry made. Um, that's just not the movie. And, and so what happens is you, you end up with a movie where no one understands Superman's motivation. Mm -hmm. And then you have a Batman who's like a bad guy. Like it's it's weird that this is this version of the movie, the ultimate edition, is rated R because both of these guys are are better people in this version of the movie than in the theatrical cut. Yeah, I always wonder the rating. I think it, I think maybe it's because there's more blood than there needs to be, or and I think yeah. they dropped the yeah, f bomb yeah, maybe I once or twice. Yeah. But I've always wondered the R rating, and I've and I don't know. I'm gonna say that the R rating was not intentional. I think it just happened. It probably there was probably something where it was like maybe it was like some with language or like maybe one scene that they didn't want to change mm-hmm. that could have been like you know over the line, and they were probably just mm-hmm. like 
hey, if that's going to go over the line, might as well just say screw it and like do what the hell we want to do and you know like add some blood in the warehouse scene and you know got some skulls cracking and bone bones breaking was like the one thing that they added too. Bones like, breaking every Batman. Film, yeah, but like they? the dude that like gets like his neck and like his spine like cracked and like you know the audible one. I think that wasn't was that one in the theatrical. I don't. I feel I like that was added I, in. I hate to say it, but I have no idea which part you're talking about. Right, and well, I feel like it could be any part. <laughs> could be. Wasn't even in this movie. <coughs> it was all Batman. Yeah, every, all Batman. Every, every oh, time, remember the, you remember the time every, every bone Batman breaks film in a Batman has a spine cracking yeah. segment. It's just <laughs> what you do. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, moving moving forward in in the minute, I do think that the 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 Lex OS system mm-hmm. is or operating system. Um, <laughs> is an OS system. Do you think people don't know what that means? I guess maybe there's some. Yeah, there's some. We, guys, it's, we live in 2017. Read very, a book. Read an iPhone. Yeah. I thought I liked it at first. I do like it. But the more I stare at it, the more it seems really sporadic. And as a user interface, I don't know if if you had a monitor that wasn't as big as uh, Batman's here. Like, it would just be really cluttered. It looks like some, like, Windows 8 type stuff. And mm-hmm. it just... And it might be. And I don't know if it's intentional. But is it meant to be this sporadic because that reflects what Lex Luthor's kind of mind as a character in this film is or something because it, it just it's just tiles that populate throughout. maybe it's just like a basic system I don't think it's like maybe it's not like his whole like pristine like that's what Lex sees when he opens his computer like maybe this is like no, the I, equivalent of like a Lex DOS system or something that would be even crazier I, if that was a DOS system. Alexa, I'm, I'm with DOS you. System. I think it's I think it's supposed to look a little chaotic because Alexander Luther's brain is a little chaotic. Um, I, I I think that's true. I think that that was intentional. Yeah, and I think this is this is a copy of his personal computer, like what he ripped off yeah. of the mm-hmm. with the leech device. Like he now has a virtual machine copy of Lex's. Like everything, yeah, because it rips the whole the, computer. Like, yeah, does he have the research and development stuff as well? Like, yeah, does he got their his bank account numbers? Like, does he have everything right now? Uh, yeah, I mean, if and has, Lex just let him have everything, uh, thinking that everything? he was gonna, yeah, thinking that no, he was just, just gonna everything die in a he wanted days. him to have. You just said he has his whole computer, his whole home computer. Yeah, but I mean, he's probably ready for it to be taken. You know. He wanted yeah, him to have it anyways. Like a, yeah, I guess. <laughs> he could have, yeah, he could have set up like a clone copy of his yeah. home computer and left that out for him to take, you know? But then he has like his real computer also. Yeah, didn't think about um, it. I let that one slip by me. <laughs> but, but what I, but what I, what I do think, again, similar to the situation with, uh, with Clark <clears throat> getting sent the pictures and not questioning that, um, Bruce is, not questioning why Lex has a bunch of pictures of this ship on his on his computer. Like, why would you have these? This minute with Bruce looking up this white Portuguese thing is the <laughs> that was a scary sound. There's this minute is the one that really makes me like a lot of people say like you know he's the world's greatest detective. Clearly, in this movie, he's not the world's greatest detective. This <laughs> right? this is the minute where I'm buying my ticket to board that ship, where I'm like. Dude, is this like you seeing this just confirming your thoughts like you already knew? My my initial thought process for being a Batman fan is you already knew what you're looking for. This is just confirming it for you so you actually have proof or whatever. This isn't the first time you're even thinking that this is a ship. But this movie makes it seem like it's like, nope, this is the first time. Like he is not using mm-hmm. detective skills at all. And I don't know if that's to play to the whole blind aspect that we're going for on this or if it's just like I'm perceiving uh, Batman as, you know, wrong as the world's greatest detective, which is just going to crush my entire life. I think, I think he, I don't think he's a good detective in this at all. No. I really don't. Yeah. Um, this, he should be questioning why anyone would have these photos. Like what, what purpose, like, you know, in, in his mind, he thinks that he has, cracked into Lex's personal computer which has just like a dozen pictures of this white Portuguese ship on it. Like he just 
Send me some pictures of that ship with the kryptonite box on yeah. it. Like I don't know. Like why would he have these? Um, and and there's no questioning going on. He's just distracted by the fact that like oh the white Portuguese is a ship, not a man. Um, but I don't know. Has it happened before in other stories where Batman is just like thinking he's the greatest detective, but it's obviously just feeding into the palm of the the villain's hand? Like we've seen this before, haven't we? Yeah. Not in good Batman stories. I was gonna say, like, it makes it more seem like the writers kind of already know that, like, Batman is the world's greatest detective. So, like, when it gets to like that point where it's like, oh, by the way, I already knew that because I'm Batman. Like, and then that's like what the fans want in a Batman book. If I'm not wrong, you know, that's not, that's, that's what I want in a mm-hmm. Batman book. It's just great. It's like, oh yeah, duh. This guy knew it was gonna happen from page one. Like, but you know, I I, I think that there is a universe in which. The arc of this Batman could be that he starts as just your sort of basic vigilante and then over over time, like we're seeing the end of that era and he's becoming the detective that we know and love because he's going from like more of like a less of a vigilante style character to the superhero that we know, which is that he's the world's greatest detective. Like he's. He's going to start using his brain instead of his brawn. And maybe this is just the beginning of that switchover. I hope so. I feel like, I mean, the last Batman, Nolan's Batman, like that was more, in my opinion, more brawn than, than brains. We get the little bit in For sure. like the Dark Knight with the whole uh, what do you call it? parade scene, I guess. Right. One of my, and like, you know, he's getting like the... He's rallying the... Out of the brick. Like that was in the beginning, and then like mm-hmm. he was like searching around for like. Anyway, um, I feel like that's like been like the most detectiveness that we've gotten from mm-hmm. Batman, and like I don't know, do, do we you, just chalk it all up to like what the computers like he's running off of? Like, cause this right here clearly he's you know on the back computer looking at this thing right now, and uh, it just seems like he's not putting two and two together. It could be that he's. You know, he was the world's greatest detective at some point. But when you have 20 years and a corrupt Batman, and I've said this before, we've had this conversation before, but not even talking about superheroes, but sometimes you get people who, um, as they grow up, they think that their experience trumps everything. Mm -hmm. And so they go, yeah, you know, I did this when I was younger, and, you know, this is how it goes now. And it's like, so you're telling me now that you're, an old person, you know, you're older than me and that you have quote unquote experience that it is an excuse for you to stop learning. Yeah. So is that the case with this Batman where he's like, Oh, I've been Batman for 20 years. I know how the world works. And it's like, is that really an excuse for you to stop learning or stop questioning things? And what's the difference in that and giving up? That's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> but is that the case here? <laughs> I feel like it is. It could be. Um, I feel like maybe even like before the events of this movie took place that we're seeing Batman in and, and all that stuff, it seemed like it was probably like a very jaded Batman just going through the motions, just like knocking criminals out on a nightly mm-hmm. basis just because like what else is he going to do? So, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Because I don't even think – I mean I, I guess I guess there's I guess there's evidence to the contrary later on. But I, I would argue that – uh, he's not even working with the GCPD within in those twenty years. Like I don't, I don't even think he's at that level. Like I, I, I really think, like you guys have been talking about, he's sort of fulfilling that, you know, demonic legend of you know, the spooky, the spooky monster that mm-hmm. if you do bad stuff, like he's gonna come out and put an end to you. And and I think that that's been sort of his cynical approach to Gotham these twenty years. And only someone like, say, the Joker knows that he's a man and wants to, like, I don't know, put him in his place or whatever it is the Joker wants yeah. uh, out of Batman. Um, but it's I, I, yeah. So, like, I, I, I think that there's there's a world where it's both things. You know, it is he's he's sort of set in his ways. But I think the way that he's set is that. It's all brawn, no brain, because, you know, these people, the, these, these criminal elements, they don't, they don't respond to brains. They respond to bronze. 
And so I'm going to, you know, make my my body a living weapon and I'm going to, you know, put I'm going to put all of them down. And it isn't until he starts interacting with these other heroes that maybe he starts to learn that there's another way. So I, I, I really think I really think he is not a detective yet. And I think that that may be part of his arc and maybe his solo movies as we uh, as we go forward in this universe. Um, I, I just I, yeah, it doesn't make sense that he would be a detective at that point. I mean, I'm sure he has like, you know, some basic detecting skills just so he can figure out like where people are going to be and when. Yeah. Uh, so that he can take them out. But I don't think he's ever had to solve a mystery before. Uh, and and so he's he's sort of not looking a gift horse in the mouth here. Not even like like a Rid- like a Riddler mystery or anything like that. Are we supposed I, to I, go ahead? I think the jo- I think the Joker is the only supervillain in Gotham ever at this point. I don't I don't think any of the other characters have shown up yet. There have been there was a tie in comic where Batman, this Batman in this universe, apparently I had to look up where it is, but I was just reading it and I saw some stills of it where this Batman takes down Firefly. Yeah. And Lex Luthor, fi- he watches the footage and that's where Lex Luthor like, r- mm. figures out that this Batman is not the mythical vampire that people are talking about and that he's just a guy in a costume. And then that's when he goes, wait a minute, it's a human being. I can take that down. Mm-hmm. And I need to find yeah. that out. And then there's also, I think there's another tie-in comic where Batman like constantly takes down Killer Croc to the point where he leaves town, and then Amanda Waller scoops him up or something. Yeah, for Suicide Squad. And I mean, mm. yeah. And oh yeah, Deadshot. I forgot about Killer Croc. Yeah, I was gonna That's... say. <laughs> I guess I just kind of forgot about Suicide Squad as well. Death, Deadshot's in uh, <laughs> Gotham. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So well, well, but Deadshot, Deadshot's a. Uh... Uh, a hitman. Know, I mean, he's a, yeah, yeah, he's a hitman. So that's different. I, Killer and, Croc uh, is legit. Yeah, uh, but but Joker. I I think it's like Joker and Killer Croc. Even Killer Moth is like, you know, I mean, he's just a like a guy who shoots fire, like uses a flamethrower instead of guns. I mean, he's not super. He's not like he's not like a super villain. No, um, yeah, he's, he's C list at best. Yeah, but I will agree that Joker is probably one of the few people that know that Batman is just a guy in a costume. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because um, even, I think in Suicide Squad, I think even Deadshot is still like, oh, I killed the bat. Like as if it was like Mm -hmm. this thing that he can't really stop. Whereas Mm -hmm. the Joker's like, I'm not really afraid of that. And Lex Luthor's like, I'm not Mm -hmm. really afraid of that. So that makes Mm -hmm. sense to me. I feel like Deadshot and Batman have like an understanding. Like I I think Deadshot knows he's a man. He's, we saw him face to face. At least we saw him super or in Suicide Squad. We saw him face to face. But like Deadshot also wears a costume and a mask. So like mm-hmm. when you get on that level and it's like, hey, I'm wearing my costume and mask to make money because I'm a good, I'm good at shooting people. You wear your costume and mask to make money because you're crazy. Like <laughs> I feel like there's mm-hmm. like a mutual understanding. And I think, uh, like in my mind, it's it's really just you know the Joker and I guess to a lesser extent Killer Croc, but. I, I think that what I like about it just being the Joker is that all of the other villains will then become an, a sort of like a an answer to the Batman when he starts working with the GCPD and becoming sort of like a, a more of a public figure, mm-hmm. like less of a legend and more of a public figure. And they're like, wait, this guy just dresses up like a bat and he's been doing this for 20 years. What? <laughs> um, and, and and then and then that because of that, they're like, well, I'm going to do that, too. You know, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm sure the psychology of that is uh, more complicated than I'm giving it. But in my little summary. But, yeah, I, I, I think it's a I think it's a call and response uh, sort of scenario where once they realize that Batman is a guy, that's when they all start coming out of the woodwork and being like, oh, he's going to call himself the Batman? Well, I'm going to call myself the Penguin or the Riddler or yeah. whatever. And I think that's the world that we're going to get in his solo movies is is that that sort of scenario where he's like, oh, my God, like <laughs> I, I came out of the woodwork and now this is happening. Yeah. Like I should have stayed a, a demon vigilante. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that's what I think. It's true. I, I mean like – well, I'm, normally in my opinion – you know, the the whole story of like, you know, the Waynes and like Batman, like after the death of the Waynes, 
that's like what really turned Gotham sour. That they were like the mm-hmm. you know they were the knights that were protecting everything. They were the the gates, you know, keeping all the bad out, keeping everything good, you know. And then once they were taken out, it started to bring up more crazies. And then like you said, Scott, like once someone started jumping off buildings dressed up like a bat, it even like brings more of them out. Like hey. This guy's crazy. I'm kind of crazy. I want to wear a cape too. Uh, you want to fight in the streets? <laughs> like, yeah. it's just what it's just what Batman is. Like that psychosis is fun it to play with. It breeds like that. Yeah. that kind of craziness. Mm-hmm. I have a quick, really quick question. So since it's going to be one of my last, um, since we were discussing like the dete- this Batman's Ben Affleck's Batman's like detective mm-hmm. aspect of him, twenty years. And he hasn't, like, he's got to be working with the GCPD before, right? In the 20 years. Like, normal, classic Batman and Robin shtick, right? Yeah. Are we supposed to yeah. understand I, that? I don't think so. You don't I don't think, think he's so. ever worked with them. No. No, because if he's worked with it, with them before, then he's not going to be the legend, the, the demonic legendary figure. Well, because not all they, of them. He, needs, he needs to make sure, because he doesn't even know, I don't even think he knows who's good and who's not yet. Mm-hmm. necessarily like he might have at best i would say he has a tenuous relationship with commissioner gordon yeah and that's it i mean well like the I, signal still exists and i think it's in is it in this one with the yeah it's in tomorrow's minute the, the 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 illustration of yeah, this we, yeah, we'll, we'll get, get in we'll get there but like i feel like there's maybe the only person he's had in contact with the gcpd is detective gordon and like since he is a detective that's where he learned his detective skills i guess my biggest question is does Batman pick up his detective skills from working with the GCPD or is he doing it on his own in his own training, you know, in the 20 years that he was training outside of Gotham and all that stuff. You're saying does his detective skills come from relying on people to do the detective work for him? No, working side by side with Gordon and like utilizing the things that he that that the GCPD has, but also incorporating his own Wayne Tech stuff that he understands and kind of like piecing it together. Using the internet, I think it, I, th- I feel like you see like the transition of New Fifty Two Batman. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he, there are stories where like he is actually learning things, and he's learning it mm-hmm. be, through being a detective. And it's almost like that's the first time in the New Fifty Two that he's ever come into contact with situations like that for him to use detective skills. So that's kind of like an early game Batman, in my well, experience. Y- you know, the thing that I like about uh, the Arkham games and the way that it treats the detecting skills is that it's all tech-based. Like, he's a great detective because he has the tech to back it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I really – I kind of really like that. I mean, I like the other version of him just being, like, a really great detective, like, straight up. Yeah. But I think that it does make more sense because – Look, a human being can only have so many skills. Um, and I, I like the idea that that he he's like, okay, so I'm not the world's greatest detective, but I can build all of these this tech. I can work with, you know, my 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 guy at, at Wayne Tech, and we can create all of this technology that will allow me to be a better detective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and, and and I think that that's I think that's just as valid of an interpretation. And I think that, if anything, that's what's going on with this Bruce and maybe why he's not picking up on uh, really obvious detecting stuff is that he's used to sort of relying on his tech to do the detecting for him. And his, if that makes sense. Yeah. And his technology is telling him that the white Portuguese is a ship and not a man. Right. So it's <laughs> right. like if Lex Luthor can influence his own technology, then... Of course, mm-hmm. your results are skewed. Yeah. Yeah. I think in the Dark Knight trilogy as well, though, like his only contact with the GCPD is just Gordon. Like even everyone else is like, well, Gordon and his team. I mean, like there's, remember he shows up in like, uh, who was it? It was Gordon and the girl that were in like the safe in the mm-hmm. beginning. Mm-hmm. And he shows up mm-hmm. behind him and she, she kind of understands like, okay, I need to leave because they need to have a chat. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, mm-hmm. But, then, most but of even them- then he's a man. Right, yeah, and he's being a detective. Oh, that's so weird! Like this character is so fun to play with. Oh, that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> for him. But then when you try to manipulate how you want to tell a story about Superman, it becomes oh, controversial. Yeah, can't touch it at all. You get yelled at. 
Um, but that's all I have for this one, I believe. Yeah. Can I we think- find out if I ever have to wear glasses in my life? Both you guys, Scott oh. and Mark, wear glasses. Are you seen Clark Kent's glasses in this thing? I want those. I don't wear glasses, but I want them. People wear fake glasses all the time. I'm not going to be that person, Mark. Come on. Just be that guy. <laughs> Just pull the trigger. No. There was, what was that? Just be that guy. What was that episode of, of Fooly Cooly? No lenses. <laughs> no lenses. Um, I will say there's a, I do like the, the minor details of having, uh, where is it? He has like his press badge. He has... What his, is the orange cube on his desk? Oh, I was... Yeah, I don't know that either. It looks like those plastic ice cubes that you used to put in Slurpees. I'm saying, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't remember those. You didn't have those? They had like a little brain. It was like a brain freeze thing. Yeah. They had a little brain. It was from, it was <laughs> what Slurpees. are you talking Scott, about? Scott, you know what I'm talking about? Did you guys... No, you no Slurpee fan? You guys, about. whoever knows Slurpees, post a picture. Nate, I hope you become the Slurpee sponsor. I hope. Um, oh, but man. yeah, I do like the, the minor detail of the press badge and the Daily Planet ID. Um, well, okay, but, but with the press badge and the ID, like, did he just sit down? Because, like, why are they on his keyboard? No, yeah. Like, what look, was he doing? Look what was time he just it is. sitting there? It's nighttime right now at the windows if you go back, like, yeah. a couple seconds. Okay, one, what are the hours of a reporter? Like, is it just, like, I don't you, know. gotta, you just got to be there when news is happening? Like, do you not have a life if you're a reporter, or are you clocking in and clocking out? He's, uh... You got you, you to gotta write... You gotta. You just. You. I think you just have deadlines. I don't think they care whether you're there or not necessarily, as long as you're meeting your deadlines with your pieces. Is the building always open? That's a good. What is the building always open so people can just oh, come I'm in sure. and like freely? Yeah, I guess I'm in a sure. big city yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like uh, it's like an art studio. You know, you just go there and the resources are there whenever you need to. But I do like yeah. that. I think you're probably right about that, Scott. Like as long as the deadline is met, it doesn't matter when you decide to work. Uh, yeah. As long as when Perry White checks that Dropbox, like, is that article there? Yeah. Um, right. He is writing with pen and paper, so he's probably not using the keyboard. And he also has a laptop open, mm-hmm. so he could be working mm-hmm. through that or something. Um, oh, okay. So maybe he's not typing on the keyboard. He's not typing the keyboard in this minute, so I won't say it's a continuity error. Um, but... I wonder if having the calendar underneath the keyboard is a good strategy. I feel it's like I should, very. It happens a lot. Try, do you do that? No, I don't. Do, I don't have Mine's a calendar. Mine's off to the side, and it's but it's still on the table. But it's like on the. I have like an L-shaped desk. Yeah. so it's on this L. Oh, fancy. Um, that that's like a that's a common like desk setup to I'm have the calendar. I'm gonna keep it under the keyboard yeah. and see yeah. if that works for me. Um, find these glasses. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> that's it. Okay. <laughs> all right. Cool. They're good glasses. Alrighty, guys, we're going to go ahead and wrap up for today. If you enjoyed everything you heard, you can find us at the DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society group on Facebook, where you can chat with us, Scott Corelli, other guests, and other listeners about the minutes at hand. Um, don't forget, leave us a five-star review. It really helps us out on the show. And uh, you can find us on all social media at DCU Minute. And we'll catch you guys next time here on DC Cinematic Minute.